0: Visit screenspec.com to stay up to date on what movies and shows you should be keeping up with.
1: They can't blame me for mispronouncing the last names when everybody their entire lives here in the United States have mispronounced my name. And my name is relatively simple to pronounce, I like to think. Marinara. Marina Marianne. Sydney, who is co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of Screenspack, is joining me today on Let's Talk for Reels. Um, and we're going to discuss um, Enough Said by, directed by Nicole Hall of Center. if I mispronounce it, I'm so sorry, I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> starring the incomparable Julia Louis-Dreyfus and the late James Gandolfini, who um sadly is no longer with us and it is very felt that he's not here with us anymore um in a lot of post soprano projects he could have done um but sydney welcome and introduce yourself tell everybody a little bit about yourself um and welcome to let's talk for reals an introduction what is this
0: the first day of class i hate it here um no i'm kidding um i'm sydney like mariana already said i am co-founder of screen spec we are deranged enough to create this website and now we are in month five fun times um almost have a whole six month old i wonder what oh, that would word. in um toddler and baby um what do they say What what is the word um, are you talking about dog years no I said in baby um what is it the word they use for when like the kids developing points um whatever I don't I can't think of the word right now you know what I mean <laughs> um about myself I like tv and I like some films which makes mariana mad,
1: <laughs> Doesn't make me mad. just makes me sad I'm incredibly distracted by the Julia Louis-Dreyfus Rolling Stone cover in the back where she's naked and she has like the Declaration of Independence like printed on her back.
0: Yeah, I figured it would be a better, more suiting angle to look at than the other things behind me, because then they might just trigger you. So
1: <laughs> we're, not talk- we're not talking about that. It's okay. brought up in every single episode and I'll it's just not... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Um, Sydney tell us about first of all we have to touch on you know Julia who basically is I want to say a part of how you got to watch Enough Said or why you watched Enough Said kind of tell me about what drew you to her first of all as a because she's known as a comedic actor and this is a rom-com and while it is a rom-com her role is more I would say it's more drama based or dramedy based um, but tell us your first introduction to Julia. Um, it was a Bug's Life,
0: let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I knew I threw you off with that one. Um, I have a very vivid childhood memory of turning 4 and my uncle handing me a Bug's Life on VHS for my birthday. Um, and then like any American child, Seinfeld was constantly on TV. And it is still constantly on TV. So I remember watching Seinfeld with my mom and my uncle, like reruns. And I was like a kid at 11 p.m. No reason to be up at that time. But watching reruns. And then Veep came along. And I was like, oh, I like her. Because she's Elaine from Seinfeld. And I had just (laughs) properly watched it for the first time. I was like a living, breathing human, not a child. So I understood Seinfeld and I understood the references. Um, So I started watching Veep. And then when Enough Said was announced, I was like, I love her and I love old people. (laughs) Because as we know, an avid middle-aged people fan in film and media. So I remember the deal with Enough Said was that it wasn't showing in theaters near me. It was a limited release for some reason. So it wasn't in any theaters near me because we lived near one that was probably like 10 minutes away. I was not... I was old enough to drive, but I didn't have a license, so not going anywhere. And my mom wasn't going to drive 13 miles to the closest movie theater, even though she liked James Gandolfini. We could have seen the movie together, but she was like, no. So I had to wait until this movie leaked online
1: to watch it.
0: And now here we are.
1: Here we are in like talk for reals, <laughs> discussing. Pirate. In my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, one of the best contemporary rom-coms that have shown up after Nora Ephron passed away, and I mean, to me, it seemed like Nora Ephron took the whole genre with her, and like there was this like molasses of rom-coms where basically not enough rom-coms were being made, or they weren't being made at all, but the market was still there. I mean, it's. Proven with sender Bullock's most recent rom com and JLo's um is it called "Let Marry Me"? Marry Me. There's a whole song, and I and I keep forgetting the name of the, okay, <laughs> the movie. But "Marry Me" could have been rom comier. Yes, I mean I agree. I feel like the rom com is making a comeback and it's getting its sea legs. But it, because it did "Marry Me," I like I loved it, but it did feel a little plasticky. Yeah. Or like like they were trying to make the earned. rom com. No, no, but I didn't want to trash it so much because it was, you know, making the point that the rom-com still has a lot of power left yeah. in terms of, like, market. But, okay, so what are your initial thoughts after watching Enough Said?
0: Um, My very first thought was Oscar nomination. <laughs> 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 I... Loved that movie from the second I watched it because it was like the perfect rom-com about second chances and about how sometimes you're a little bit afraid of things when you're stepping in out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And that leads you to make choices that you wouldn't normally make and you'd be influenced by people that you wouldn't normally let influence you. And then learning to cope with the fact that you made this mistake and you might've ruined something good because you're being an idiot.
1: Ugh. I mean, the eloquence. I mean, it's such a simple it's such a simple narrative of, you know, like you said, second chances where a middle-aged mom is divorced, has a kid, she's about to become an empty nester and she meets this guy who is James Gandolfini and um he may not fit the typical uh, both physically and like emotionally, the typical description of like the rom-com lead. Um, but I I just want to talk about James because he was, you know, he'd come off Sopranos and it was his most iconic, is his most iconic role ever. And Julia, you could say that, you know, Seinfeld, Veep, these are all huge roles that she's had, especially Veep. So you have two titans of HBO, basically. Yep. And they come in to do this sweet little rom-com. What, what did you think of James in this film, first of all?
0: I knew him as Tony Soprano, because that's what everyone ever knows him about. And as someone from New Jersey, <laughs> <laughs> I remember when the Sopranos series finale aired because my mom and my uncle were watching it. And they're like, no, we have to watch the Sopranos. It's ending. And then it ended. And then they were like, What? <laughs> what now <laughs> like yeah what now um and but I'd always known that like he had the reputation of being obviously the opposite of Tony Soprano mm-hmm. um everyone's like he's the kindest guy ever and when it comes to enough said when you watch press because Julia Louis-Jeifers said do it by herself sadly um she talks about how different he was from what everyone expected him to be, how like kind and soft, and how insecure he was, which is so hard to believe. And you're like, damn, we really lost like a really great guy when he died.
1: Oh, I mean, you're we're talking about. him legit tearing up because him and Enough said. He was just so. I felt like we we got to meet James. Yeah, wait and um that i mean that just gives credit to how incredible he was as tony soprano but like to see this tall burly gruff man be fall in love be insecure um be kind be sweet um i mean it it just it was the timing of it all when he passed and then this film came out it just it broke my heart but at the same time it's like oh before he left, we got to meet James yeah. for the first 100%. time.
0: 100%. And that's the thing with his character. Like, it's such a stark contrast of what he's always played prior to that, that it really is like meeting him for the first time and getting to see that side of him that no one actually knew before,
1: which is why it sucks that it was one of his, his last sucks. projects. It's like we finally were like, oh, James is going to have like a renaissance of like these small indie films and other like different kinds of roles and then I mean he went out with a bang I mean I just I really miss him every time I think about James Gandolfini I'm like oh fuck like this is it enough said is the last thing we get, which you know it's great so what else about this film kind of why is it your favorite film
0: Okay, I wrote some notes when I rewatched yesterday. I was like, let's put up some talking points. So let me um pull this up. Okay, one of the main talking points that I put, wrote was the dialogue in the film because it's very relatable. It's not contrived. It sounds like natural conversations that people have. um, Like when they're on that date and they're talking about the real housewives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And she's like, my daughter watches Real Housewives. I don't get it. And he's like, yeah, my daughter also tried to get me to watch them, whatever. And she's like, they're just so plastic, and they have fake boobs. And he's like, yeah, I like real boobs. And she's like, well, I have real boobs. And he's like, well, we're good on that page. And it's like, the awkward first date where they're like, what are we talking about? And they find that and they're like, okay. So they move on from that. They get to the dinner scene and they're at this restaurant where it's super loud and they can't hear each other talk over the music. And they just start making fun of being old. <laughs> so, because they're like, well, the music's loud. The waiter can't turn it down. Um, so let's just, heh, heh, the entire time they're talking <laughs> um and then they go get yogurt and she makes fun of him when he's like what is that <laughs> when he's asking about like one of the things the toppings actually like it's watermelon what else is it gonna be um but it's like the casual conversations you have with your friends when you go out places and one of them is saying something stupid and you're like come on like be realistic No, it's not going to be tomatoes. (laughs) Nobody's putting tomatoes on their yogurt. Somebody's probably putting tomatoes on their frozen yogurt. But that's between them and God. Um, (laughs) And it's just really natural. And throughout the entire film, there's that natural progression as they get closer and closer to each other of how their conversations change and how they're way less serious and a little weird.
1: Yes. I, there's nothing I enjoy more than watching middle-aged people be weird just because it's such it's such a unique reference to their age and to their time and place, especially because this film takes me this in California, yeah. right? So they're when they go to that yogurt place, it's so modern. To us, like, yogurt right now in that yogurt place is like, oh, whatever. We've seen those million times. But, like, someone like James Gandolfini in this film is like, what the hell is this? Whatever happened to good old American vanilla ice cream that you get in a scoop? So having that, I think that's the appeal of older people, especially older people falling in love, is that it's like they revert back to being yeah. teens, but but they're they're much more mature but somehow they still don't know what they want but like it's also not over complicated in the sense like they like this person they just don't know how to communicate yeah. that when you're young you're like oh i like this person but then i'm also feeling this for someone else and it's like all like rushed and heating and here it's just like it's like a slow simmer you know a slow burn as so they like- say <laughs> a slow burn um so what to you what is it because i've i had the discussion on the podcast before with sam but what is it to you about love later on in life or love the middle age narrative that no one seems to want to acknowledge that is barely existing what is it to you that you find so alluring about it um okay god what a question
0: let's be real who says that you have to find love in your 20s or in your 30s? Who says that your person is someone you're going to meet right away? And with most of those middle-aged narratives, what we get is two jaded people who thought they found their person. It was not their person. It all went to shit. And then here they have a second chance with another person that they may not know is that person yet. But you're watching it happen and you're like, if I don't see these two people make out,
1: we're
0: going to have a problem. Um, but it's also just very reassuring because obviously everyone goes through different parts of life and it's comforting to watch these narratives play out, knowing that if things don't work out for you now, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We live long lives, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs>
1: um, I guess we're putting set on
0: suicide watch now. No, I'm fine. It's just you think about it in the long run. You're like, "Wow, I'm only 27. Wow, I could live another 70 years." That's a, that's oh, a lot God. of lives.
1: It's a lot of lifetimes. I, I already said <laughs> a lot of lifetimes. I'm being euthanized by the time I hit 70.
0: So, um, I used to <laughs> I used to think about desperate housewives and would be like, "I'm going to die young of an aneurysm, and that's the best way to go."
1: Not as <laughs> <I> love. <Bri. laughs> My NRA card carrying Republican. Literally. I love her. Something about Enough Said that I really, really love, aside from the whole thing, is when we talk about sex on film. And don't get me wrong, I love the erotic thriller. I think the erotic thriller has some of the sexiest love scenes on screen, and they don't need to further the narrative to fulfill an artistic purpose. Yes. I don't know why we need to have this conversation every I don't know why people weeks. think
0: that sex is bad in movies. Sometimes sex is just there.
1: It doesn't have to add anything other than
0: they're fucking. <laughs> My god.
1: Um. But speaking of sex in this film, something I really love is just how earnest and real and raw it was because there was communication yeah. going on and they discussed like positions and like, oh, are you comfortable with this? And like, eventually you see them get their groove and then, you know, they enjoy it. But like, there is communication in sex and that doesn't happen much less with older love narratives where like they have this conversation about how to please each other. Which is like, that was 2013. That's when the movie
0: came out. The movie was filmed in 2012. Um, Which says a lot because a lot hasn't changed. We have some places where women will tell people what they want. Shout out to Keely on Mm -hmm. Ted Lasso. (laughs) Um, When people are like, Ted Lasso's not a sexual show. And I'm like, Jamie was literally eating Keely out in like the second episode of the show. Um, What else? Like, what is another show recently? Okay, Grey's Anatomy. People shit on Grey's Anatomy because it's been on for a thousand (laughs) years. But them sex scenes, them couples are enjoying themselves. And they're communicating with one another. And they're getting their needs met which is a testament. This turn into a this turn into a sex ed class <laughs> of sex positivity. You know, we're not going to talk about sex education. So yeah, I think that it's something that needs to be explored more in film and television, especially now because intimacy, intimacy coordinators are being used. Because before, directors would be like, I don't know, figure it out on your own and they're like what the fuck. What do you mean figure it out on our own? We have to do it.
1: They would tell actors to go on, like, a little coffee yeah, date and figure it like, out. Yeah, they'd like, go sit in your
0: trailer for two hours and talk about what you want to do. You're like, first of all, as an actor, that is not their job. They are not the director. That is your job, mm-hmm. buddy. Um, And also, with intimacy coordinators, now actors have someone to vouch for them when they don't want to do something.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly important. And like you said, um, this film took place like 10 years ago. And 10 years later, we're still having the same conversations of sex on screen, of older couples demonstrating any sort of sensuality still being a problem and still being rejected. Um, which is, my next observation is, I haven't seen Julia Louis-Dreyfus do another rom-com ever again. And she was really good In this movie, Um, you're you're forgetting downhill
0: twenty (laughs) twenty.
1: There's a reason I didn't mention that movie, but yeah, Um, the movie that
0: caused COVID. Um, Anyway, downhill. We're not gonna talk about that. Um, I'm gonna change the subject to the fact that in enough set she doesn't wear any makeup the entire film, which was her personal choice. which I think is a very good example of when actors feel comfortable enough to have that own autonomy where they want to look their age in a film yeah mind you when enough said was filmed she was like 51 so it's like she wasn't she's not that old that's 80 yeah, in 80. hollywood years. she's playing someone who's 40s mother <laughs> um, yeah but to see an actress of her stature go out and do an entire film not wearing any makeup seeing that natural beauty come through what a woman what a woman
1: but what do you think of the relationship they're technically giving us like several povs or several iterations of relationships we have the mother-daughter relationship we have a married couple relationship we have a divorce relationship and then we have the central romantic we also relationship have the friendship
0: between women because
1: we have the yes.
0: um Julia Dreyfus and tony collette friendship and then the daughter and her friend's friendship um yeah when i was re-watching the scene that always makes me laugh so hard is when they're having the they're on facetime or whatever and she's talking to her, well, the she being Julia's character, talking to Tony's character about how she'd just gone to a new client's house played by Katherine Keener. And the client's like, I have a bunch of chervil. Do you want some chervil? And she goes, what the hell is chervil? And then Tony Collette responds, it's an herb. But because of her accent, Julia's character's like, I don't understand a goddamn thing you ever said me. <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny She's like an herb a herb what what is it like what is it and it goes it's like that friendship when you know someone long enough that you know there's kind of a cultural difference because they have an accent and yes. you know and you're like I I don't know what you just said to me and I've known you long enough that I'm like what the hell are you saying to me because you have that level of comfort with one another and that's like the age old mm-hmm. female friendship. Like at the beginning of the movie, when they're on their in the car on the way to the party, she's like, does this lip color look good on me? And she's like, yeah, you look pretty. It looks so good on you. And then her husband says something and she's like, who asked you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is a female conversation. This is not about you. No one cares about your opinion. Um, and that whole <laughs> dynamic between Tony Collette and Ben Falcone is so funny. Because you'd think that she's the more um, outspoken one of the two, but they have this issue with their maid the entire movie. And he's like, she will not fire her. And she's like, yeah, I just feel bad. And he's like, just fire her. She's bad at her job. You are a therapist. How can you not fire this lady? And she's like, you just do it. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I fired the last person. It's your turn. <laughs> Which is like the equal the equal um, dynamic in a relationship that you want. you're like, okay, I did it last time so it's your turn to do it and he doesn't budge and he's like, this is your problem, not mine. If you're gonna keep complaining about the way she does things, you have to be the one to do something about it.
1: I love I love their marriage. I love their relationship because you can tell there's yeah. so much love. But somehow, like, they're just very antagonistic towards each other half the time. But you would know they love each other and that they would, you know, die for each other and they have the, you know, their kids. But like like you said, he will be straight up with her and she's a therapist, which is the funniest thing about this because she, you know, she knows that she needs to do this herself. But you, it's like no matter if you're a therapist and you're so good at reading human emotions, somehow you still need that partner that will level with you because you can't be your own yeah, you know, psychologist. Like it's just not going to happen. But yeah, I love I adore Tony Collette in this movie. I especially like you mentioned that scene with the accent because it's like it's like a triple joke because Tony Collette is probably the best actor in Hollywood who can do an American accent who has a strong Australian accent. But then here you have Julia Louis-Dreyfus saying, I don't know what you're saying. I didn't understand a single thing you said. <laughs> I, I just, I love that dynamic. What what other dynamics do you the love? The
0: mother-daughter dynamic is also very wholesome to watch.
1: You're like... It stresses me really? out. I'm not going to lie. Because, you know, yes, because, you know, we're, we're Hispanic, right? That kind of, like, backtalk to your mother just... Doesn't happen in a Hispanic household generally. Okay? Like some of the things this girl would say at her age were not the things and I could also, say to my mom. <laughs> unlike Hispanic households, she could talk to her mom when she had problems with
0: things. And like she could be open with her yes. mom about stuff. Whereas we we say something and her parents are like,
1: no, that's not real. <laughs> that doesn't exist. I will I will say my mom and I do have that, but also they will still treat you like a child <laughs> I and mean, be like, when are you coming home? What I, do you mean you're going to leave the house? I'm like, I'm I don't even live with her anymore. I live in a
0: different state now. The other night I was in Manhattan with my roommate and a bunch of our friends. And I call her at like 1130 because I was at a bar beforehand. So when she called, I was not answering the phone. I was at a bar. Um, and she's like, okay, you should probably go home now. And I was like, girl, What? <laughs>
1: I'm telling you, these these depictions of mother-daughter relationships of American teens or American college students and their moms, I've never related less. Like, the way they speak to their parents sometimes, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have a face. See, I'd probably be faceless. I'd be Nicholas, <laughs> take your face off right now. What I like about <laughs> the relationship is that as a mom,
0: she's not harsh like you know moms are like, no she's like whatever she's a teenager I'm not she's going through it I'm I'm not gonna scream at her because she's having a like a little pissy fit um like she's like I'm gonna talk it out with her she do not want to talk about it we'll talk about it later I also like that her friend has an absent mother that oh, scene <laughs> where she shows up oh anyway we'll go back to that but her friend has the absent mother, and she's like, I don't care if you guys are here all the time. She's like, I'd rather you were at my house all the time than off doing drugs or having sons, which is the case where she's like, do you think they're having sons?'"
1: <laughs> I I just, I love her in the role of this mother. Because um, Selena, Selena Meyer as a mother, I mean, so simple century.
0: Narcissism breeds narcissism. And when we learned about Selena's mom, we were like, no wonder.
1: I mean, in the end, I listen, Catherine was oh, emotionally 100%. abused, psychologically terrorized. But at the same time, by the end, it was only her she was thinking about it the whole time. It goes to show, though, series. because
0: with Selena specifically, you do see the shift once showrunners change. Because seasons one through four, Selena actually did care about Catherine. Like, she made the effort. She's like, oh, my baby girl's here. She's like, we're going to get a dog because Catherine wants a dog. And then the whole dog thing doesn't work out because the first lady gets a dog. And God forbid the vice president and the first lady get dogs at the same time. Um, and she's kind of looking out for her best interest, but also Catherine's. Because then when Catherine gets engaged to one of her professors, she's like, what the hell are you doing <laughs> she's like not only does it make me look bad you also look bad because you are 21 and this man is almost my age (laughs) and then the showrunner shift happens and she's like yeah I don't want anything to do with this child and you're like where where did that come from where did that come from but I miss Selena Meyer so much I know Julia misses her every day of her life too bring her back to me
1: Julia, we don't care if you have to bring out the reading board. <laughs> we will suspend our disbelief that that character died she, at the end of the show. She dies in the continue. future,
0: so we are not at that time yet. We are currently in the Selena Meyer Perfect. president timeline. Um, which is very funny because there's a deleted scene from season five where Kent is like, "Selena's going to die 28 years from now. And that point in time... Where he's saying that, and the point in time in which she dies, it is like twenty eight year. <laughs> it is a twenty eight year um period of time. So he was, of course, he was spot on.
1: <laughs> if we continue, this is going to quickly yeah, turn into a Veep episode because that show. I mean, I think about every time I close my eyes and think about Veep, I think about Mike, in that tech, oh my God, uh, God, company episode and he sits down in a ball, and Gary, like, pushes him only a little bit, and he just completely falls off the goddamn chair.
0: Okay, wait, one more thing Anyways, about Mike. Um, this scene where, the episode where Alice and Jenny is in the show because she's interviewing them, and they're in the kitchen, and Mike is in the oh background just eating carrots. <laughs> Not saying anything, just eating carrots. While Selena, Andrew, Catherine are arguing about something, he's just like chilling like Bugs Bunny with his character. <laughs> Mike is actually the best character on Veep. That's a whole other thing though.
1: I would I would vouch on that because I think really fumbled with him in the end. I was like, this is so stupid. But I yeah. love Mike. And we can't go on because if we do, it's just gonna be us talking about Mike for the next twenty minutes. Um but to pivot What is your impression of Julia in terms of like her going from, I mean, she was still filming Veep, but like seeing her in this role when, you know, she's a comedic actor and um, I guess I would say like it was a little bit of a jarring role for her to play this. Um, Not now because she's been doing, I don't know, she did Marvel and then she did, what is she doing now? she's she's off saving america I mean, it's an election
0: year um
1: oh she's yeah, it's, it's an election God, so year so
0: she's um busy trying to save democracy as she does every election year good for her um okay this is a conversation we have had several times about comedic actors being able to do drama and people being yep Much and people being actors. okay actors except steve carell but that's um a whole other topic. Steve Carell is not good in dramatic roles. It's just him screaming.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing. I will take Steve Carell over any of these new younger actors because at least he has charisma and I will sit down and watch anything he makes. But that's just Yeah, that's a whole other God. topic.
0: We'll talk about one of his films that I was very let down with. Um, but we've had this conversation many times about how Comedic actors do drama better Mm -hmm. than dramatic actors because comedy is inherently harder than drama. You have to find the beat. Yes. You have to find the moment to change the intonation and the inflection to make the joke be understood. In drama, there's just a lot of screaming and crying. And just because you can scream and cry, that does not mean that it is a good performance. When it comes to JLD in Enough Said, we see the softness of her that's not seen in any of her previous roles. Other than Christine Mm -hmm. on Old Christine, but Christine's also kind of neurotic as hell and should be on anxiety meds. But this is her her most normal people role. So it's just this masseuse who is a single divorced mother trying to find love again. And you see how relatable it is when things start to happen and you watch the genuine reaction. The one scene that always yeah. gets me, no matter how many times I've seen this film, which is a lot of times, is when she shows up at his house towards the end of the movie, after he's figured out that she has been talking to his ex-wife, He's she's known the entire time who his ex-wife is, that his daughter he shares her with the ex-wife that his ex-wife has been feeding this information about him to make him look bad to her and that she started to believe it instead of actually giving him the chance to be himself and like see how he actually is as opposed to how the ex says he is. And she is in his kitchen and he tells her that she's broken his heart and he's too old for that. And she basically says that she didn't protect them And their relationship. Every time without fail. I start crying. (laughs) Because it's such an earnest reaction. Of the realization that she had something good. And she fucked it up. And now she has to deal with the consequences. Of her fuck up. Which might mean. Never getting to talk to this man again. Who she had grown. um, Mm -hmm. So. She was in love with him. And he was in love with her. And to backtrack on that. I It made me think of the scene right where they're fresh in the relationship and they're in bed together and he's like, I kind of adore you already. Mm-hmm. God.
1: God. <sighs> Do people not realize just how heartfelt, how beautiful someone's saying something like that as a throwaway? Just like they think... Because, you know, he didn't say it casually. Yeah. Like he was bearing himself in that moment. Like, I really, really like you. And it's just like, and they're both, I remember that scene because they're both in bed and they're both like grinning and just like super happy in that moment. And it's like, we all want that moment. This is what human beings search for. They, and, you know, there's many iterations of like whether it lasts or not, but like we all yeah. at least want to feel it, even if it's for a moment. And she when she realizes that at the end because she was going off the perception of him through his ex-wife's lens and not through the lens of her meeting this person anew. Because we we fall into that trapping all the time. Especially when you're dating and you ask for like, oh, have you dated this guy or this girl? And what did you think? And like blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we just need our own experiences. This doesn't, you know mean if someone's abusive obviously if someone says like this person is abusive stay away from them but like if you if your impression of someone because that's all it is dating dating is like first impressions and then we get caught up in them but like this film especially older narratives teaches that it's not the dates. It's not what they can give you and materially or anything. It's the small things. It's him getting her a glass of orange juice. Um, it's him being considerate um, or her defending him um, in some parts where, like, she's like, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're, you're, you know, misinterpreting him or whatever because he doesn't appear to be the version mm-hmm. of a leading romantic man. So something so endearing about these middle-aged narratives that we see time and time again is that second chances open us up for much more better interpretations of each other as human beings. And we see parts of other people that we usually almost see at the very end of a failing relationship because we focus so much on, like, appearances and on first blush type of situations.
0: You also learn more about yourself
1: a lot because
0: you know what you've done wrong in your past yes. relationships. You know what got you into situations that you didn't like and what you have to do to stand mm-hmm. up for yourself and get out of them and what you can tolerate and can no longer
1: tolerate. <clears throat> um yeah. I I love that. I love I love when older characters are written not as teenagers um because some writers do fall into that trap when they're trying to make these older characters um when they try to flesh them out and be like oh yeah they're flawed human beings especially in dating in dating situations because if they are older and they do have these past relationships and your intention to create these characters are to create a conflict you have someone like Julia's character that comes back and says, I'm sorry, I didn't protect us. I realized my mistake. I loathe older, older characters that are just... They kind of don't... Yeah. They don't move at all. Especially in dating films or like love films where like, um, oh yeah, it was a mistake, but that's it. And there's like no... I don't know there's like no effort put into older characters like they're just like a you know they're glossed over and this film is all about older people falling in love and coming from failed relationships and with children and with baggage and with you know all these things and it's it's a really really in this film, film the
0: terrors are the children <laughs>
1: <laughs> the antagonists in this film are the children it's when, so when need they inclusion. meet his daughter no, for the first um, time
0: and she is just as pretentious as her mother
1: oh <laughs> let me tell you something anybody that's trying to sell you into holistics Catherine run away is
0: literally insufferable not- i wrote a note about that and i was re-watching yesterday Because when she just starts randomly name dropping people like Joni Mitchell and she's like, you're friends with Joni Mitchell? And she's like, yeah, why do you do that? (laughs) Like, she's like, I'm a poet. Okay. Okay. We've all written poetry. No offense to poets. There's some poetry out there that's beautiful.
1: Also, we get two versions of this marriage. And you kind of can see why.
0: you were not suited for each other for a reason. She's, pretentious as hell and oh. he was just more laid back about things and, so, and you see that too when you get the comparison of where she lives versus where he lives like she's like don't wear shoes in my house like girl girl i get some people do that culturally wise which is fine but it's doing it because she's like germs from your feet
1: also she's yeah. appropriating holistic um Eastern culture, and <laughs> I hate those kind of people, I swear. And like, it, it, it almost makes you question how did you two even yes or like agree to? Which makes you also say how when we're young and we feel like we're being rushed to be with someone, because you know, women especially are made to believe biologically we have a clock that's ticking, and if we don't fulfill that, that's it. Game over. Science We're no longer attractive anymore. Can be frozen. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> not just,
0: <laughs> like, not just your eggs, ladies. You. Your um, eggs are gonna dry. Yeah, like, I, like, I can go to a doctor and pull like twenty eggs. I'll be fine.
1: Also, yeah. it's about like loving yourself a little more. It doesn't mean because you went through a divorce, you already had kids. Like that's it. You're you're done. That's not how Robert it works. God,
0: no! He's dry heating over here. You hear him? He says, "I want attention." We're talking about (sighs) middle-aged people.
1: Um. So enough said. What are some parting thoughts, some feelings? Um, this being James' final role, Julia's acting, just overall themes, and why is this movie so important?
0: First of all, she should have been nominated for the Oscar. I'm going to put that out there. All she got was a, I think it was the SAG and the Golden Globe nomination. She lost both. Mind you, every other like independent award and all the festival awards, she won them. Um, James was snubbed because they like to do that to people that are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is so fucked up. Like, oh, they can't accept the award, so why bother? Um, excuse me, just because they can't physically accept it doesn't mean the um performance was not nomination worthy. Um I genuinely do think that it is one of the best modern rom-coms because we do not have many of those. It has the perfect rom-com formula of boy meets girl, fall in love. They start to realize, oh, wait a second. Shit hits the fan. There's the, um, not to be a fucking writer, but the denouement <laughs> of the story right before it gets to the end. And then they figure out what they're not going to do. And this film ends on that hopeful note of, they're going to be okay. Which is like, good, because they've gone through it. They deserve to be okay. Which is something that makes me mad about the middle age narrative (laughs) and other forms where they will have these characters go through it together only for them to not end up together for a myriad of reasons. Sometimes it makes sense. That is how life happens. But we watch these forms of media as an escape. (laughs) I'm not here to be reminded that I might find my soulmate and that we might not end up together anyway. Like,
1: no, bruh. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, enough said. Is um, an alchemy of powerhouse actors, a wonderful script. Um, it's very. Yeah. It's a very soft film, um, despite the conflict that goes on. I love films where it's characters talking philosophically about life and relationships and where they are now and i think enough said proves that hollywood loves to stereotype or typecast actors and when they don't they create magic because james was you know for many years tony soprano so probably the roles that he was getting or being offered were roles of the you know the mobster the tough guy and here what we got was a beautiful unfurling of a man who went through a divorce, mm-hmm. was emotionally intelligent to recognize his own failings, but also mm-hmm. strong enough to recognize his own worth. Because there's nothing more beautiful than seeing James's character tell Julia Louis Dreyfus's character, I am enough. You know, all these things that you picked apart were things that my ex-wife picked apart and you never gave me a chance and then with julia's character it was just i think just like the perception of julia has always been this caricature and albeit she has like texturized a lot of her comedic roles but when somebody like julia surprises you in a role like this i mean it's like magic it's alchemy you see her be vulnerable um where in Veep, we only saw her i would say like once and it was during um the scene with her mom when she was dying in the hospital which there you could see the signs of like oh julia can do whatever the hell she wants it's just even someone like her isn't getting offered these kind of roles all the time which yeah i think aside from actors that um do dramatic theater and then go on to do screen I do think comedic actors just have a a wider birth of understanding of human emotion and of acting in the sense of like you have to act with purpose not with like just your own emotional turmoil like there's a purpose to every scene and every line and I think that's what we saw in enough said along with like Tony Collette who is just incredible even in a supporting role, you add Tony Colette into anything and it's You're just, so smart. it's magic as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I really, just really, really love, I just really love like intention and earnest to art. Just, you know, people that put, they put their whole, I guess, like, love into the things that they do and I'm glad they gave no, James literally. a chance and that is the thing about all
0: movie. art is that there should be some sort of intention behind it um because it's not going to resonate if there's not and it's not going to be good if there's not
1: no I mean it's it, I gravitate towards things that speak to the human in me not just to like the I love entertainment don't get me wrong I love to be some sub- going in the movies and be submerged in something but like if I don't feed the part of my soul that is the human part where I can just look at a character like James, I really related to his character where like he has a lot of insecurities, but like he gets up every day and he tries to be himself. He doesn't try to like stifle himself or fit himself to accommodate anybody else. Um, and like, I just think you watch Tony Soprano and then you see him in this and it's like, Fuck. Like, imagine everything else we could have seen him do. It just, I don't know. I feel like Hollywood has these hidden gems every now and then, like an upset. And we just, yeah, have you to should talk be glad I picked this like and not
0: the other movie I could have picked.
1: Oh, but I, I love Oh, no, I could have picked movie. another one it, that it was you the, would the Devil Wears right? <laughs> no, are you talking the movie? The, it's know, not the movie. It's the lead actor. I'm like, I
0: it. could have made her talk about Alison Bree for an hour. You would have. I know, that's why I picked a movie that you actually enjoyed the actors in. And not just one of them.
1: (laughs) Final note is, we deserve and we need more rom-coms, especially starting older actors. Because these young people are just not cutting it. I'm so sorry. No,
0: they can't act. I'm sorry. They're just pretty to look at. I don't want to look at pretty people that have no emotion behind their words. I want to look at pretty people... Who make me
1: cry. Also, like because they're so and also like it doesn't necessarily like their talent makes them beautiful because they can be ugly yes, as hell. Yeah. But like if they're good actors and they convince you with intention, that's it. That's all you need. So we need yep. more chemistry. Get we need more chemistry tests and reads because bring back chemistry reads. We need those because clearly it's just not working out to putting two hot people on screen.
0: These little teeny boppers coming straight from TikTok, they're like, well, they have 5 million TikTok followers. Okay, and she has no chemistry with a wet paper bag. Like, come on now.
1: Oh, God. Sid. Sydney, Sid. Margarita. <laughs> Not the fake name. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk for Reals. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Of course. Thanks for having me, Mariana. What a fun time. <sighs> enough said go watch it and thank you for listening and tuning in to let's talk for reels and i will see you next week with a new episode have a wonderful rest of your day week year whenever you hear this (laughs) hour minute (laughs) second anyways thank you for listening